0: Tonight on the Fanatic Forum, I'm going to share with you three fantastic thrillers, you know, getting ready for the Halloween season, maybe not quite just yet, but these are things that will keep you definitely on the edge of your seat coming up next. I'm your fanatic and host George Mueller. I hope you all are having a good week so far and uh, it going be a good weekend here or I hope so I mean there's lots of cool stuff happening you know, this weekend here so I will tell you about that in just a second here but yeah I hope you guys are having a good one here so far so uh but yeah this week here we're gonna see if you can survive this trio of terror so to speak uh these are three films that definitely uh kind of be classified as thrillers they're not you know horror films or slasher films necessarily these are you know, real world horrific events, so to speak. Here, so they classified more thrillers, so to speak. So, I don't know. I don't know who made the classifications, but there you are. There you have it. So, uh, anyway, these are three of my favorites here. Maybe you're familiar with these movies. Maybe you're not. So, if I introduce you to something cool, then hey, that's all. That's all. The more better here. But uh, if you guys have something to share yourselves here, I definitely want to hear about that. So, uh, yeah. But of course, you have know, got some cool comics to share with you guys. But first, uh, I do have a couple things to pass on here. One, uh, if you're in the Elizabethtown area or in you know you know Kentucky, Louisville, Southern Indiana, whatever else, and you feel like coming to E Town this weekend, uh, today or tomorrow only uh, is the Night Riser's Con. Uh, this is a normally annual convention uh, that happens in Elizabethtown here, so it's a nice local con. So support your local. Conventions. This year it's being held at the Morrison Lodge uh, right here on uh, Mulberry Street. So it's right before you get to downtown. So if you basically get to the downtown square, you went a little bit too far. But uh, anyway, we have some uh, local vendors there, a couple of local professional wrestlers, celebrities there. Uh, They got a couple of famous cars. Uh, The Elizabeth Paranormal Society, I think, is going to be there. Uh, And then, of course, later on that evening, there's going to be a zombie walk. I think it's like at seven o'clock. Uh, So you can, you know, gear up as your best zombie or even zombie hunters. I don't know, you know, keep... Keep things fair out there, folks. <laughs> We're not actually zombies. We're not killing anything, so just remember that. But anywho, uh, so that's going to be uh, you know tomorrow in E-Town. So hope everybody can turn out there. Uh, I know my boy uh, Andre with uh, Straight Up uh, Issues is going to be out there. Uh, yeah, He's going to have a table in the merch area, and he's going to be doing his first whatnot auctions. So he's excited about all that. So I'm definitely going to check that out. So, yeah, so it should be a lot of fun there. Uh, another thing I want to share with you guys, and this is something that's a little personal for me there, but um, my buddy Jay Whelan is a film director, and he's got his uh, production company, Atomic Bomb Productions, and uh, his latest release is actually coming out uh, next month, uh, and it happens to star yours truly. So uh, Zeta 23, I Am Legends, the name of the film. It's a short film, uh, definitely kind of a, you know, a little bit of horror, but also a little bit of uh, parody and satire as well. Kind of uh, mirroring a bit of uh, current events the past couple of years. But uh, anyway, had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, of course, he was a nice local uh, group of you know folks, you know from you know around Louisville, Senator Indiana, whatever else. Uh, so the uh, trailer for that is actually going to be debuting tonight at nine o'clock on YouTube. So I'm going to be sharing a link on the Fanatic Forum page and also on my personal Facebook page. If anybody else you know needs a uh, you know, help on there, and I'm also later on share it on my YouTube page as well. But yeah, I'm really excited about it, and it might lead to you know some you know films later on down the road. You know, maybe I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens out of it. But anyway, it was it was fun product to do. Uh, I, I got to walk around the streets of downtown Louisville in a hazmat suit. Uh, interesting little backstory is that uh, literally the next day. Some other fella in New York basically attacked people on a subway with an assault rifle. And he was wearing a gas mask. I was wearing a gas mask the day before. So uh, fortunately, the Louisville Police Department didn't know we were there <laughs> and what we were doing. Um, I, I, at the time, I did not have any fake weaponry on me. I get fake weaponry later on. But yeah, it was, it was a little... I mean, the, the, when we were doing it, it was cool. Then the next day, we see the news like, oh... Good thing we filmed that yesterday. (laughs) Whoo, Yeah. Anyway, so that was was a little interesting little backstory there. So, a little behind the scenes on Zeta 23. So, (laughs) Uh, we got a couple of people tuning in here. Marianne, good to see you as always. Crayley, good to see you, madame. Of course, you want to check out some cool cosplay stuff if you happen to be a cosplayer or you have an interest in that or just want to learn anything about the whole you know, anything cosplay, you need to check out Cosplay Cafe. I've had Kelly on here. Uh, I've had Andre on here. Uh, Crayley, you know, I haven't had you on here just yet, Madame, but, but that's all right. We're coming up pretty soon. Next week, I'm going to be on her show, her other show, Comic Books, The New Class, her and uh, Ryan Permission, who you guys know. He's been on the show before, so I'm going to be introducing them to some, uh, maybe some independent books they don't know about just yet. So, yeah, tune in for that one next week. So, uh, I think it's on Tuesdays. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, which well, should be good. Should be a good, good time there. Lots of comic book talk. So, anyway, uh, so speaking of comics, uh, yeah, <laughs> Chris says thanks, Cosplay Cafe. There you go. Yeah, so yeah, tune in that, folks. It's on. Uh, it's on the YouTube. It's on the Facebooks. all part of the Cereal Box Cafe Network here. So we're back. The Serial. I'm mixing up all my shows here. It's back in the Cereal Box Network here, Cosplay Cafe. Yeah, I keep them separated, George. <laughs> it's it's been a You know, there's been, I've been sorting a lot of comic books, sniffing a lot of old newsprint. So, you know, things happen here. Anywho. So uh, yeah, so I just wanted to share with you guys there. Uh, also another local event, it's not coming up until next month, uh, but the Creature Feature is back, formerly known as the Halloween Fest, but now it's the Creature Feature. Uh, it's gonna be in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, as always, the Paraquette Spring Center. So another nice little local con there. They uh, like to celebrate you know Halloween stuff throughout the weekend, they have a little trick-or-treating there for the kids. Uh, they wanna do cosplay contests as well. Um, of course, they have lots of vendors there, lots of comics, you know, and uh, lots of like model building. If you're into that, you'll know, sort of thing like that, especially if you go to Wonderfest in Louisville. So it's a little bit smaller version of that. So, yeah, all kinds of cool stuff out there. So, yeah, that's coming up next month. I believe uh, the 28th and 29th of October. So, end of the month there. So, yeah, should be a good time there. I I always go out there. So, yeah, should be cool. Like I said, support your local convention. this week. All right. So, let's talk comics here because we've got some cool stuff to share this week. Uh, From Marvel here, got a couple of selections here. Issue 2 of Predator with, uh, of course, Ed Brisson's writing this one. Kev Walker's doing the art. Uh, This is set in, like... Issue two is kind of like a little bit of, you know, issue one. We got kind of a lot of slam bang stuff going on here. Set up our main character and kind of how the Predators have affected her life. And then issue two, kind of like we're back in, you know, what's going on modern day. The hunt is on. And I don't necessarily mean the Predators, I mean, she's hunting them. Uh, And she kind of gets her wish at the end of this uh, issue here. So issue three should be, uh, as Bill Jr. would say, a slobber knocker. So, I've been enjoying the book so far. It's a good approach. Uh, We care about the character. That's our lead. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a fan so far. So, uh, yeah, so far, so good. Uh, Another book I've, of course, been loving here, um, Daredevil, currently with uh, Chip Zdarsky's run on here. And uh, sorry, the... Oh, yeah, Salvador de la Torre doing the art on here. Um, Just love the whole storyline going on right now that basically... Uh, currently, everybody thinks Matt Murdock is dead. Uh, Again. Yeah. yeah, it's it's happened more than once. Uh, anywho, so everybody thinks Matt Murdock is dead, so Daredevil can basically 100% focus on being Daredevil. Uh, Electra is kind of on a redemption arc right now, so she's basically trying to be Daredevil-ish by not killing, so... There you go. Uh, but basically what they're both trying to do is reform the Fist, which essentially is the group that would normally oppose the Hand, as in the evil undead ninja group. Uh, what Daredevil learns in this book here, and what we already know if you're Punisher fans, is that Frank Castle is leading the Hand currently. He is the ring general right now. And Daredevil knows Frank very well, as readers of classic Daredevil and Punisher stuff know so yeah um of course if you're reading punisher already the end of the last issue of punisher is basically daredevil approaching frank and saying frank wtf man and so, so this issue is kind of almost a little bit behind that but you kind of find out how daredevil finds out and so there there's there there is a clash coming up pretty soon uh i can't wait for it uh of course things aren't going too terribly well with uh, daredevil's you know Actually, I'm sorry. Frank Castle's relationship with the Hand—it's—it's it's strained almost immediately. So, yeah. So we'll—it's we'll, we'll we'll definitely see how things will go with that one here, but it should be a lot of fun, a lot of uh, fighting. <laughs> uh, let's see. I <laughs> It would be a shock if Matt Murdock were assumed alive. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. The the whole thing too is of course this is all going back to the uh, the Devil's Reign storyline that just wrapped up here, which frankly was in excellent event Uh, it was not a huge uh it kind of just merely kind of overtook all like the street level guys anybody was really kind of operating directly out of new york because from uh, wilson fisk was formerly mayor of new york now luke cage is currently mayor so yes power man is mayor of new york city and he's not doing too bad of a job of it so yeah a couple uh people try to come in and strong arm him you know they're big real estate well they don't have any superpowers except they're tremendously wealthy (laughs) kind of like Bruce Wayne uh but yeah so they they uh they try to strong arm the mayor a little bit and well when your mayor is bulletproof and can punch your face in pretty easily you know it's not not, not a lot going on there so so that, that was a fun scene there again pick up, uh, let's see, that was issue three of the current data we run right now. So, yeah, fun stuff here. Oh, here we go. Johnny watching from downtown Louisville, Nashville, going on a date with some ghosts. All right. Well, I uh, hope things go well. Um, you know, we all know he ain't afraid of no ghosts because he shows everybody where they are. <laughs> yes, if you're in the uh, downtown Nashville area, you got to look up uh, uh, Johnny's ghost tours there. Uh, I've sorry i don't remember the name of the organization johnny you'll have to remind me but yeah if you're downtown nashville and you want a good ghost tour you gotta you guess your about our buddy johnny there so yeah i, I love a good ghost tour um, i think i think around here I know they do historical tours or whatnot but uh yeah they have they, they do um know they do a ghost tour around here so we need Johnny out here to do a ghost tour for Elizabeth Town. So, and Dave Manningly on the show. Good to see you, sir. Frank Castle will teach Daredevil the sound of one hand clapping. Yeah. Oh, oh. I see what you did there. Yeah, I see what you did there. Nice. <laughs> uh, you Weizenheimer. You. I love it. Okay. Uh, over at DC, got a couple of cool selections here. A uh, new number one here. This is Batman versus Robin. That's right. So father and son are clashing. This is really kind of what we've been waiting for. This has been building up for quite some time in the Batman and Robin books. Of course, Damien has been trying to kind of reconnect with his uh, the other half of his lineage. That's not Bruce Wayne, basically. That's the you know, Ra's al Ghul the, you know, the, the Assassin's Guild uh, so, of course, his mother as, you know, Talia al Ghul and well, she's not quite mommy dearest, but, you know, they do have a good relationship. But anyway, but Damien's been kind of on a journey of self-discovery, kind of going out on his own. Of course, definitely has been highly affected with the death of Alfred Pennyworth, the you only know, everybody's favorite butler. So he's really separated himself from Dad, and then now something has kind of crept into Damien. Maybe he's possessed, don't entirely know just yet, but... Yeah, he's gotten out for dad and um, using one element that Bruce is kind of ill prepared for, and that's magic. Uh, Bruce has got a lot of buddies, you know, and has some trinkets, but he's not very skilled himself in it. That's Damien knows that's his weak point. Uh, But we kind of found out maybe a little bit of really who's pulling Damien's strings and yeah so it, you know of course if you like your good you know father versus son clashes there uh but you know a little bit of magic stuff thrown in there definitely worth checking out mark wade's writing it so that's always a good thing uh so yeah definitely worth picking up there not a, not a huge event going on right now with a dark crisis this is kind of i guess maybe happening before those events i don't know the timelines are funky you know but Nonetheless, uh, this is definitely a clash that's been building up here. So we'll see how things work out right now. But uh, there was, of course, one particular surprise entrant in this particular series because, like I say, we're dealing with magic stuff. We don't quite know what's going on, but maybe the Ley Lines are a little weaker, and we see a particular comeback that is rather poignant to the story. So I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it's definitely worth picking that one. All right, the fifth and almost the, I guess, the penultimate issue here. Of Jurassic League that uh, Daniel Warren Johnson has been writing. Uh, he, of course, does the cover art, uh, but the interior art has been done by uh, Juan Gideon. And frankly, Juan's art is almost a dead ringer for Daniel Warren Johnson's art. Let me get a good page here for you. Yeah, See, like something like that. So, yeah, just absolutely fun. Love this stuff here. But really, this miniseries, all it's been doing is. Reimagining the Justice League and your, you know, kind of you know, the classic villains of the Justice League as dinosaurs in the prehistoric age. They're interacting with some humans, but basically the dinosaurs are much, you know, stronger, faster, whatever else already. And then you can kind of add in superpowers or certain super abilities here. But yeah, this has just been a totally fun mini series here. Just, you know, playing in the sandbox, you know, just having, I mean, just again. The Justice League is dinosaur, so just just a ridiculous kind of thing. But the art really fits it. Uh, I love Daniel Warren Johnson's style. Anyway, he did the uh, Wonder Woman Dead Earth uh, miniseries that was really good, kind of a uh, Wonder Woman uh, a Rip Van Winkle sort of storyline where basically she kind of gets put in a stasis pod in the modern day, and then when she wakes up, it's like you know hundreds of years in the future, and Earth basically doesn't remember who the Justice League are, super people, or anyways. They got their own problems to deal with because Earth is not in the greatest shape when she gets out of the pod. So really good story there. Uh, Of course, uh, what I'm about to get to here, nice segue, is his other independent series here, Do a Powerbomb, which has been incredible. Even if you're not a wrestling fan, like you don't normally watch pro wrestling, this is just still a great book because... Essentially, the whole premise of this is, is that this young lady up here, what, I'm sorry, now, right here, here we go, yeah. Uh, her mother was probably the world's greatest professional wrestler, and then, unfortunately, due to an accident, dies in the ring. And so, you know, Yua basically grows up with this legacy of her mother and then decides that she wants to become a pro wrestler herself, so she basically gets in and is not too bad herself. But the strange thing is that she gets involved in this tournament that she finds out is kind of like this interdimensional, otherworldly, alien sort of tournament here. But the guy does not realize that Earth, in our dimension, pro wrestling is a staged event, it is a performance, it is not an actual Mortal combat sort of thing. Apparently, in other parts of the multiverse, it is. So, basically, they go into this tournament with, of course, this is kind of, this fellow over here uh, is kind of her, you know, rival on Earth. But then they end up being a tag team together to basically, you know, everybody kind of gets like a big wish. You can, you know, raise somebody from the dead or, you know, whatever else. And so, basically, Ewan decides she's going to bring her mother back. And the other guy here, basically, who was her mother's tag team partner, decides to help her out. But, of course, they they quickly find out you know we, we find this is now the fourth issue running here but last couple issues they find out that they've got you know quite a big you know number of bad guys in this series here uh some very worthy opponents so yeah it's 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 some rough goings for our team here but definitely definitely really worth checking out here uh let's see then Dave says Johnny make sure the ghosts pay for dinner yeah well actually do, do ghosts have carry money or can they can maybe just like just you know they can scare the staff and then Johnny can bolt. so it's kind of like a kind of dine and dash sort of thing I, okay maybe that's not a good thing to recommend <laughs> I, I'm on a weird mood today here so you're gonna get some here and get some strange stuff folks all right Speaking of strange stuff here, this is a miniseries I've been looking forward to. Now, of course, uh, they kicked off the uh, – Jeff Lemire and, and- uh, Andrew Sorrentino kicked off the Bone Orchard Mythos uh, universe, I guess, so to speak. Uh, first on free comic book day uh, with a one-shot there, and then with their hardcover, The Passageway, which I, of course, recommended on this show and is incredible. Totally recommend checking this out here. And like I said, it is a hardcover, so it's everything self contained in this one thing. The Bone Orchard Mythos basically is kind of a supposedly is it going to be a shared horror universe that Lemire and Sorrentino have created. But right now, it doesn't seem like there's any connectivity, so to speak, here. Now, 10,000 Black Feathers is the first in kind of a mini series. I believe it's going to be a 10 issue series. So This is the first offering in this. Um, Again, don't really want to kind of spoil too much about what's going on here. Essentially, uh, we've got her character has kind of come back to her hometown after a small period of time or a long period of time. And something is definitely haunting her. Maybe some sort of past regret of of an accident, a, a reason, you know, why. I don't know, uh, you know, you know, why she's, you know, anyway, there's something that's haunting her. Definitely. Coming home is kind of almost triggering it even further, but there's a reason she's coming home. Uh, but yes, yeah, so like I said, the, the, the wonderful thing about, you know, Lamyre and Sorrentino, when they go into the horror stuff, it kind of takes a little bit for kind of things to open up. If you've read any of his Gideon Falls stuff, you kind of know what I'm talking about, you know. And so it, it's it's definitely creepy and atmospheric, but they're taking their time on it, and it's definitely classy horror. There's not a lot of you know you know you know crazy gore or anything going on, but yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. here, So I, I highly highly recommend uh, this. Of course, like I said, this is the first issue of the mini series, so yeah, there's there's a lot more to come, and I think they've got. Uh, of course, some other miniseries and some other hardcovers coming uh, later this year and going into next year as well. So there's got a lot more planned coming up in the Bone and Orchard Mythos uh, universe. But again, like I said, I haven't seen any connectivity so far. So far, but supposedly there's going to be some here. So yeah, we will definitely see what all pans out from there. But anyway, of course, I just have really enjoyed and appreciated the renaissance that uh, horror comics have seen recently. Uh, of course, the the independents been carrying the torch for quite some time. Uh, Image, you know, Dark Horse, uh, you know, I mean, all the list goes on and on. Uh, but of course, now we're starting to see you know horror coming in the major leagues. You know, especially DC right now. Marvel, not so much just yet. They they do their zombie stuff from time to time, but really haven't seen. A lot, you know, more. I mean, Marvel's coming up with some stuff uh, coming up this October here that looks fun. Uh, definitely trying to dip into the horror stuff, cashing in a little bit on uh, Moon Knight's current popularity and then the upcoming uh, Blade popularity, which we know when that movie drops, hopefully that's going to be good. Uh, I, I, I can't see why it's not. I mean, the the, the at least the, their lead right now, cast in Marshallah Ali, is a great choice. So, I I have faith in the project without having seen too much in it, just because I'm a Blade fan. I want to see it on on screen again. (laughs) I'm a little jealous about that. I I want to see this. So there you go. Anyway, so uh, we're going to take a break for just a moment here with our sponsor, Comic Books for Kids. And then when we come back, we're talking some thrillers. So be right back. Comic Books for Kids provides comic books to kids in hospitals and cancer centers across the U.S. It's a place where we can all work together to make sure every child has a comic book. 100% of all proceeds go towards the kids. It's about making a difference and while they're in the hospital, allowing them to fly like a superhero, battle dragons, or rescue teddy bears. We are in every state in the country and now support over 160 hospitals. Every month, we add more. Visit CB4K.org. And we're back. Hey, we got another comment here. Hello, beautiful people. I think that's Keisha on there. Hello to you, too, dear. Good to see you. All right, so we're talking some movies here. And, of course, like I said, you know... We're talking thrillers here this week. We're not quite in the horror movie season just yet, so we're not, you know, talking about slashers or anything supernatural. These are kind of man-made disasters, so to speak. Here, so, uh, but yeah, so this is some cool stuff here that I definitely share with you guys. Movies you may know, you may not know. So, yeah, so we will definitely, uh, hopefully, introduce you guys to something new here. Got all my trusty notes because I can't be expected to memorize everything, folks. <laughs> All right, anyway, so first movie I want to share with you, uh, this is a classic, in my opinion here, not because of its age, because it's been referenced, uh, definitely, you know, if you're a Beastie Boys fan, you know this movie, uh, and it actually has been remade, uh, not too terribly long ago, but I'm talking about the classic, The Taking of Pelham one 2 3. Uh, This is actually based off a book by the same name, written by, <laughs> good, I love this name here, Morton Friedgood he was using a pen name uh, under the name John Gotti when he wrote this book. But, yes, it's based off the book of the same name here. Uh, also, if you're a Quentin Tarantino fan, you know Reservoir Dogs. The whole gimmick that uh, Tarantino used in the movie of color-coding his criminals was used, was basically taken from this movie in particular. Because, basically, what this is, is that a group of criminals takes hostage a subway car uh, with, you know, designs on escaping out of the city getting into a plane and having lots of money and all that stuff and they basically give away the hostages ransom sort of thing uh but yeah so but you got a great 70s cast here uh basically you got uh, uh Mar- oh, tongue tied over here uh walter Matthau in the lead here uh, it's basically kind of the main uh, tsa agent here i've ever Transit agent or authority or something like that, but anyway, he's kind of our main guy here. And the remake, Denzel Washington plays him, so Denzel Washington plays him a little differently here than Walter Matthau does. Kind of this movie, our good guys really don't have virtually any contact at all with the bad guys. You know, cops do clash with our criminals, but yeah, our, our main dudes basically are kind of like transit authority guys that are just their jobs are keeping the subway trains rolling and keeping these people safe. And they're having radio contact with the criminals on board, Pelm One Two Three. But yeah, there's not like an actual like you know fisticuffs cuffs clash at the end. That's one thing I kind of like about this movie. It's, it doesn't go for a lot of the obvious tropes that we know today in action thrillers or anything like that. So uh, it's definitely got all really the cool jazzy score here by David Shire uh, You know, very kind of you know little funky, little jazzy, whatever else. But it fits the movie. Uh, If you love movies that kind of definitely about old New York before things basically went Technicolor, Yawn, Giuliani, tourist trap sort of thing that it is now, this is one of those movies. Uh, And there's a lot of great New York actors in here. Basically, if you ever watched Seinfeld, tons of the supporting cast of Seinfeld are in this movie. (laughs) I mean, it's like uh, Jerry Stiller's in here, Doris Roberts. You know, of course, she was in like, Brief parts we know are more from Everybody Loves Raymond, but she's in here. Uh, But yeah, just you know, tons of other you know recognizable faces in here. But uh, our other leads, our bad guys, are Robert Shaw, who we know from Jaws. Uh, He's Mister Blue, who's kind of the ringleader. Uh, Martin Balsam uh, is kind of the very slubbish, you know, and maybe he needs to take some you know some cold medicine. Mister Green. Uh, of course, that kind of comes to play a little bit later on. Uh, then we've got uh, Earl Hinman, who's a great character actor, playing Mr. Brown. And interestingly enough, we have a very young Hector Elizondo in here playing the rather homicidal Mr. Gray. So if you, you know, of course, Hector Elizondo has played all sorts of roles throughout his career. Uh, of course, you've known him probably best from the Tim Allen show, Last Man Standing, which you know, just ended, but he was you know, all part of that show. But he always kind of plays, you know, nice guys, warm guys, occasionally he's played some creepy dudes, but you've never seen him play a full-on, like, badass homicidal killer unless you see this movie here. So, (laughs) it's a very interesting role here. But yeah, so, uh, but again, really enjoy this movie here. Uh, It was directed by Joseph Sargent, who was very much kind of a journeyman director here. He, you know, did lots of other films, uh, you know, in Britain and in the States. Um, Probably I say the other movies he would probably best known for. He <laughs> a little soft spot in my heart. Uh, Jaws, The Revenge. Uh, he directed that one, and also the TV film The Karen Carpenter Story. Not the one that the weird indie one that used a Barbie doll. I mean, like the real one they aired on TV that people watched, and your mom probably cried over. So yeah he directed that one here. So <laughs> but again, he a, a nice, uh, you know, you know, journeyman director here. So just a very well done film, well edited, you know, I just, you know, great, you know, love letter to old New York, even though I didn't know they were doing it for old New York, but nonetheless, it's a nice time capsule of the film. Uh, of course, I always thought, you know, of course, I, I don't know much about subway culture or anything like that, or, you know, traveling the subways cause I you know, didn't grow up in New York or whatnot, but yeah, the, the, the Pelham 123 basically comes from, it's the train. It's coming from Pelham Bay Park, which is in the Bronx. And it was the 123 p.m. train coming in. So that's you know where the radio call sign comes in there. But yeah, so again, it's a, you know, a classic thriller here. Absolutely love this one. So highest, highest recommendation on this one here. Definitely check it out. Uh, the next one on the list here, this one definitely comes under the, you probably have never heard of this film before, but uh, I've heard of this one. For a number of years, but hadn't seen it. But finally, recently, it's now streaming on Shudder. Um, Pelham 123, which I just talked about. I believe that's on HBO Max. I'm not 100% sure, but it is streaming available you know, for rental, so you can check them out here. But, all right, back to Siege. So uh, Siege was originally a Canadian film, uh, kind of part of their uh, connect exploitation, as they want to call it. Uh, but then it was released in the States under the name Self-Defense. Uh, but this is basically the Canadian uh, Assault on Precinct 13, if you're a John Carpenter fan. So it's it really, you know, no pun intended, it is a great siege film. Uh, some of the reviews were kind, some were not, but really kind of the, the popular conception now is that, well, this is basically almost like kind of the same plot as Assault on Precinct 13, but it's got a little bit better execution to it and frankly it's a little more timely and i'll tell you why so uh this was originally directed by uh, paul donovan and Mara o'connell um mara i couldn't find out much information about but paul donovan was basically another journeyman candidate canadian director uh did a lot of film a lot of tv still working today he's got his own production company uh he also wrote and produced the film as well uh, new line originally released this in 1983. Uh, like I said, it uh, was released originally in Canada, and then when it came over to the States, it was retitled Self-Defense, which a lot of stuff in the exploitation happens. You know, somebody doesn't like a title, let's put up something else, you know. Self-Defense, there you go. So, I don't know, Siege is a much cooler title. Anywho, so the plot of the movie is that uh, it takes place in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and the police department are currently on strike. So basically, nobody's working, and the streets are burning with crime. Uh, there is this group that kind of... Uh, yeah, I don't know, kind of a you know, militia, terrorist group, whatever you want to call them. They're a great bunch of angry Canadians calling themselves the New World Order. And no, it's not Kevin Nash, Scott Holland, the Paul Hogan. It's a bunch of Canadians, and some of them are armed. Some of them aren't. Some of them just have, like, you know, bats and knives and stuff like that. But a couple of them have guns, so watch out. But either way, uh, they're kind of running around Nova Scotia just, you know, wreaking havoc, whatever else. Uh, unfortunately they go into an underground gay bar and immediately start targeting the people in there and accidentally kill somebody in the bar. They weren't, they weren't intending to kill anybody there, but unfortunately it happened. And now they're like, okay, well, I guess we got to kill everybody in here. So they don't call the cops. And so in a very disturbing scene, kind of one by one, they start killing all the patrons in the bar. Now, the interesting thing is that the time this movie came out, most people in the LGBTQ community were not very, you know, positively portrayed in film and television. They were very stereotypical or they were almost seen as like, you know, predatorial or anything like that. This film, on the other hand. Is not that way. When you go into the bar, you see a kind of a swath of people. You got people who are very feminine, some who aren't. There's lesbians in there. You, you know, you you know, you even see maybe someone's in drag, possibly, or maybe I don't know. But either way, you know, people are just kind of sitting there hanging out, having drinks, you know, just enjoying themselves. But no one's really being kind of a caricature. Everybody's being very natural. So that's kind of you know an unusual thing in 83. So, you know, kudos to this film, the producers, and the directors for this one. Yeah, because yeah, again, it's you know, you don't normally see that. So uh anyway, back to the disturbing scene here. So everyone's being, you know, killed one by one. Uh there's a bit of a distraction, and one of the patrons is actually able to escape the bar. And when he does, he basically finds an apartment complex and manages to get inside right before the criminals. You know, catch up to them. And so there's a couple in there uh, Barbara and Horatio. Uh, Horatio played by Tom Nardini. uh, Barbara's played by uh, Brenda Bassinet, which again, none of these, I don't really recognize anyone that's in here. So I guess maybe these were either kind of, you know, seasoned Canadian, you know, film and TV actors, or maybe this was kind of like one offs of them, but really haven't seen these actors or anything. So I can't really say there's, The only actor I recognize is the leader of the New World Order, played by Doug Lennox. uh, Who let's see, he's played some bad guys in a lot of other films. Um, I think he was in one of the Police Academy movies. I think he may have been the original Police Academy movie uh, as one of the lead criminals there. It was like uh, the one that was threatening Mahoney with a gun, kind of like a you know grizzled white guy wearing a lot of leather. I think yeah, he's the the main leader of the New World Order. So that's yeah. So Doug Lennox, Lennox is the only guy. I reckon that's the entire movie here. Uh it's kind of saying something for all the stuff I've seen. Anyway. Um, Anywho, so uh, the uh, Patriot Gets Away Chester, played by uh, Daryl Haney, is taken inside. Now, of course, he's still very kind of traumatized by everything that's going on. So he's not being much help communicating why he's there, what's going on. But unfortunately, the New World Order shows up here and, you know, They're trying to get inside very violently and whatever else. But fortunately, this group of people who live in this building are, you know, I don't know. They they seem to be kind of like very resourceful. There's one uh, neighbor who's in there kind of seems to be like the Mr. Fix-It guy. Maybe he's kind of the, you know, he's really into military survivalist stuff, even though he maybe not was actually in the military. But he's the most resourceful of them all. So he ends up sitting like booby traps and like extra little escape tunnels they can get through in case somebody gets through. So yeah, he seems to be very clever. So again, there's a lot of, you know, clever, good resourceful people working together in this movie, but it all works within the world. It's not like, you know, strange stuff or strange resources pop out that you wouldn't normally think, or suddenly they're armed to the teeth or whatever else. You know, it's like everything makes sense in here, but uh, eventually Chester kind of gets his, you know, Gets his bearings back a little bit. Explains what's going on. Uh, and that he actually gets to have his moment of revenge as well. So, but yeah. A very satisfying, good thriller here. Uh, of course, you know, a little bit low budget. But, you know, it, for me, it works. Um, you know, one of my big... I, I love Assaults on Precinct 13. But one of my biggest criticisms of the original is there's really not a lot of explanation for what's going on. Which is kind of where the remake that has Ethan Hawke and Lawrence Fishburne in it kind of makes that succeed a little bit better. They flesh things out a little bit more, and it's a little bit better executed. But the style of the original Assault on Precinct 13 still can't be denied. The performances are great, so I still enjoy the movie. But, you know, as a overall show how things work out, you know, the remake of Assault on Precinct 13 works out, and Siege itself, I think, works out better, you know, as well. Kind of, they're similar concept and execution of the plot and things that are. So again, very worth checking out. Uh, it is streaming on shutter currently. That's where I saw it. So yeah, definitely worth looking for. All right. Our next movie is our most recent movie on the list here. And this one you may know a little bit more familiar with here. 2011's Your next. Uh, this is definitely taking the home invasion kind of movie, um, and turning on its head a little bit here, having a little bit of fun with things here. So uh, this is directed by Adam Wingard. He also edited the film. Uh, and it was written by Simon Barrett. And, of course, they would go on to do the film The Guest, uh, which is another good thriller. Recommend that one as well. Uh, and then, of course, Adam himself has had a recent bout of success with uh, his most recent film, Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, wasn't sure how that was going to work out, but yeah. That was everything I wanted it to be, and yeah, Adam did a great job with that one here. And I appreciated the fact that the camera was pulled back nice and far away, so you can see those very tall monsters fighting. And even though there were times they were fighting in the dark, you can see. So uh, I'm always, I'm call me old fashioned, I don't care, but even when you're in the dark, I still want to be able to see things because it is a motion picture for God's sakes. I paid money to see this movie. You will see it. You know, turn on a light, hire a lighting director for that I understand the natural light sort of thing, but you can do both. It is possible. You don't need to keep the lights off or whatever else. And then I hate when we're having, you know, giant tall monsters or robots or whatever else, and we're doing humor zoom ca- zooming cameras around and getting way too close. Like, no, these things are very tall. Let's see the scope of this. Let's watch them fight. And from far that, you know, please, please and thank you. So, yeah, kudos to Adam on Godzilla versus Kong. But back to your next here. So, your next, uh, like I said, a nice kind of, you know, turn on the home invasion storyline here. So, what this is, is a family is getting together for the weekend, celebrating a, their parents' anniversary, and it seems like a big well-to-do family here. House is kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but, you know, lovely, uh, affluent family here. a Bunch of wasps, so that sort of thing like that. Uh, I think like, Three or four brothers, couple of sisters, and some sisters-in-laws or whatever else here. So everybody's getting together, but it also seems like the family maybe doesn't quite get along, especially the brothers and sisters. There's a lot of nipping and you know, sniper marks here and backhanded compliments, and all that kind of stuff here. So nonetheless, here, things escalate quickly. We're sitting down to dinner here, and one of the boyfriends notices, hey, what's that outside? Something's going on here. And then basically gets very quickly killed. <laughs> and so one by one, basically, the family members are hunted and picked off by these guys wearing animal masks and armed with crossbows and melee weapons, but no guns. I guess they don't want to attract as much attention with the sound. So we're using crossbows and melee weapons. But where things take a turn is that one of the brothers brought his new girlfriend, Aaron. Who seems like a normal, very lovely lady? You know, just doesn't, not physically imposing or whatever else. Just you know, nice, lovely girl. But apparently, she grew up in a survivalist camp, and she knows her way around situations like this. And basically, takes action very quickly in defending herself, defending what's left of the family members, and picking off the bad guys one by one themselves. Uh, I. I will warn you if you're not fans of gore, there's a lot of blood in this movie here, but uh, it's there, there's a lot of just dark, dark comedy in this movie, uh, but it's still a lot of fun. Uh, of course, you know, a nice women empowerment sort of movie here because, of course, the this isn't even like the final girl surviving at the end of the movie. This is like, this is literally the final girl is the biggest badass in the movie Y'all better watch out. <laughs> uh, there's even a great, funny ending at the you know in this movie here. So yeah, highly recommend this. Here, good performances here. Uh, uh, Sherry Vinson as uh, the uh, the uh, girl Erin, who is our survivalist here. Great performance on her because you know like the beginning of the movie, she seems completely innocuous, just very nice and sweet. And then when the fit hits the shan, suddenly she goes into survival mode. And it's like whoa. who's that? (laughs) Uh, Let's see. AJ Bowen is the uh, brother, boyfriend Crispin who brings her along. Uh, Joe Swanberg is uh, probably, I think the oldest brother, Drake. He is a great performance because this guy, you want him dead. Like he is insufferable throughout this movie. So you're praying for him to get killed in gruesome ways just because he deserves it. So, yeah, again, just a lot of fun in this one here. Uh, Stanley Tucci's uh, son, Nicholas Tucci, is also in the movie, playing brother Felix, who may or may not have a little bit of prayer knowledge to what these events are going on here. So, yeah, a couple of twists to this movie here. Uh, of course, I, you know, spoiled through a little bit, Aaron. But, yeah, um definitely a lot of fun here definitely worth looking out for uh of course if you want a a nice you know fun thriller here a little bit of dark comedy thrown in here a lot of gore uh i mean we're not talking like saw kind of gore here but like i said we're dealing with arrows and melee weapons here and survivalist training here so there's a lot of piercings of things and arrows being stuck in people and a lot of blood so just a little bit a little bit let you know there so uh the other two films not as gory, so you know, especially Pelham 1, 2, 3, I mean, 74. So, you know, there there is no such thing as gore, and you're not an artist's film, Sarah. So, yeah, so you're safe on that one there. But anywho, I hope you enjoy these, you know, definitely check them out. Uh, if there's any other films that uh, you, you know, maybe things you might be, you know, fans of that you think people aren't into or, should be into share them here in the comments. Here we'll you know definitely address those at later times and you know I, I, if I've seen those movies I'll be like yep love that one that's awesome or not seen it I'll have to check it out all that sort of good thing here but yeah you know, of, you know we'll share all the you know, good uh, movie geekness and all that sort of thing here but uh, yeah so I hope you guys enjoyed yourselves here and uh, enjoyed the films here if you haven't checked them out yet I recommend doing so. Also uh, of course we are now five episodes deep into She-Hulk here so we have a few more to go but. Uh, this week's was pretty good here. Uh, if you uh, noticed towards the end of the episode, there, something was in that box that our uh, costume designer, Luke, uh, had to cover up there real quick. So I smell another guest star coming up pretty soon. So I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be exciting. But anyway, you guys have yourself a great weekend. Like I said, if you're in the Elizabethtown area, check out Night Risers Con. Uh, they're on Facebook. So under Night Risers Con, so definitely want to give them a look see. Uh, also, uh, like I said, I'm going to be posting that movie trailer for Zeta 23 uh, coming up here in a couple of hours. So, uh, they will be on you. I'll post it on YouTube. I'll also post it on, uh, on the uh, Fanatic Forum's Facebook page. So, definitely check that one out as well. So, you guys have yourselves a wonderful weekend, and I will see you next time on the Fanatic Forum. Bye bye.